I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to Jetpacks are overrated. Welcome back to Jetpacks are overrated. I am Seamus Byrne and this week, because I was recently at Apple's WWDC, the Worldwide Developer Conference, or better known amongst those who attend as DubDub, uh, because you really actually can't keep repeatedly saying WWDC uh, for more than uh, a handful of times uh, before you basically run out of spittle is uh, my best interpretation of what goes wrong there. But look, I got to go to the event this year. It was a really interesting insight into that whole developer side of the Apple community and clearly the biggest platform in the world when it comes to people who are able to make money building apps. Yes, Android is probably technically bigger, uh, but iOS is really the place where very serious app developers can make very serious money across lots and lots and lots of different ideas. So it was great to get to catch up with two two Australian developers and really, really prominent, uh, globally successful developers at that. They're both Apple Design Award winning uh, apps. Uh, One is Streaks an Australian app made by the developer Crunchy Bagel out of Adelaide. Uh, So I got to speak to Quentin Zervis about his app uh, and the whole idea behind it, the design philosophy behind it, and building a productivity app along those lines. And then also I got to speak to uh, two members of Savage Interactive, Jess Clark and Michael Shaw. They are behind the very popular iPad app Procreate, one of the most amazing breakout uh, apps when it comes to doing uh, lots of different artistic work on an iPad. And it clearly, you know, to create an art app when you've got the likes of Adobe out there is a pretty huge achievement to become so successful doing that. So spoke to them about that and particularly both of them as well about the whole I guess, idea of going to an event like WWDC, um, being able to kind of get together with that global community of developers and what that means for them uh, and how it sort of helps their work. Uh, And just a lot of that whole idea of, I guess, being people based in Australia, but making such globally successful apps. So these are two conversations back to back here in this episode. First up, speaking to Quentin Zervis about streaks, and then speaking to Jess Clark and Michael Shaw about Procreate. Let's dive in. There's always, I guess, there's two kinds of devs, the people who they you know love to kind of make things and find cool products to make, and then people who stumbled across a problem that they really wanted to solve for themselves 
and then worked out how to kind of create that kind of a product. So when it comes to the streaks idea, you know, was that the kind of thing where you just went, I haven't found something yet that does this, does exactly what I want? Uh, Or was it that you were like, I really want to create something cool that that solves this problem? Yeah, I think it's a bit of both where you start off trying to build cool things because they're cool and then reality sets in (laughs) and you at a certain point you have to earn a living but you know I guess for me while earning that living running my own business before even before streaks there's a lot of things I just did every single day and I just thought I don't know I can make a creative solution to this app that's what I do I make apps and so it was really just a function of are there are certain things I need to do every day let's just build something simple that We'll do it, and it kind of just grows out of that. Yeah, and how did you sort of land on what? Then you sort of realized, wait, this is going to be something that is going to set itself apart in yeah. that in that really kind of nice visual way of helping somebody, you know, find that rhythm for for the idea of streaks. Well, I mean, the concept of a streak of doing things and forming a habit—they're not new ideas. I mean, you know, the, the yeah, there's. I was thinking about that. there's obviously like. A lot of people refer to it as Seinfeld method. I don't know. But, <laughs> yeah. um, and even one of the original inspirations for it was the GitHub website. It shows your activity, your daily activity, and that just sort of almost encourages you to keep working on your projects every day. Yeah. So it kind of just a couple of those things and it, it sort of just evolves into a simple product where it was really only a handful of things. And just I guess the concept of just doing a little bit every day on something is enough to advance the project forward. Even if it's like one day you might just do a tight, like if you're writing a book, it might do, you know, you might write one paragraph or you might write 10 pages. Um, but as long as you're doing something, you're moving the project forward. So it kind of blends those two ideas of forming a habit, but also keeping something moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, uh, yeah, let's go back to square one. You know, for people who haven't actually checked out streaks you know uh, what is it and what do you feel sets it apart within that market of productivity yeah. or encouragement type apps in that sort of area yeah so it's a i guess the the original tagline is it's the habit forming to-do list so it is just a list of things that you want to do every day but by doing them every day you form a new habit or um there's features in there to break bad habits like smoking or whatever it is that you do badly. I, I slouch a lot. So it's like one is like, don't slouch. So I'm sitting up now. Quick, as yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, <laughs> now I'm doing it too. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, the idea is you form those new habits and the app will encourage you to do it. But I guess one of the key things that sets it apart, other than um, I work with the designer on the app, the, obviously the design looks really good yeah. and it draws people in the bright colors and customizable themes. And a lot of the apps completely customizable. So it's very personalized. Um, I forgot where I was going with that. Yeah, so so not only will it, um, you can customize it, but maybe just cut this bit out. Yeah, no, no, that's right. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I, I had a really good thought there. <laughs> <laughs> um, when it comes to, I guess, developing for these platforms in particular, uh, you know, is uh, like I'm not sure. Is it on sort of Android as well, or is it something where you've stuck to kind of the Apple ecosystem because? Uh, you know, that's just that easier solution, I guess, as a developer to, to only develop for one space? Um, yeah, it's an iPhone exclusive at this point. Well, it's also on iPad and Apple Watch, but, yeah, it's on the Apple platforms. Um, that just comes down to we're a small team and you really have to pick your focus. So just like when you're forming habits, you have to pick your focus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the, the thing I was going to say is 
the other key aspect of the app is that you are limited in the number of tasks you can create. So, oh, yeah, and, cool. and that is a key aspect of it because everyone has a to-do list where they just keep adding to it and never finish it. Yeah. So by enforcing some kind of limit, it really forces you to focus and prioritize um, and not get completely overwhelmed because everyone's got like 10 different to-do lists. It's like, <laughs> yeah. I'm getting really good at quit- quitting smoking. I've done it 10 times, that kind of thing. You know? <laughs> but if you just really focus and narrow it down, um, then these are the things I need to do today. And it has this kind of like, um, you know, circular effect where, okay, even if the six or 12 tasks, whichever one, whichever way you set it up, let's say you're trying to get your six tasks done, um, you've done five of them. Even if the sixth one's completely unrelated, you just want to get the completionist in you just wants to do that six thing. So you really, it, unrelated things will help you um, finish those tasks. So it's, um, I think we kind of stumbled onto something a little bit accidentally that works really well. Yeah, and just sort of run with that, and really keep kept the simplicity and the the focus in mind when developing the app. Yeah, um, most of my experience in the Australian sort of developer scene has been chatting with a lot of the the, the game sort of developers who you know seem like we we've punched wonderfully above our weight in terms of making a mark on that kind of international landscape as as the game yeah. scene. But yep. I think you know, on that wider development community, uh, you know, I know you sort of mentioned the other day that there was a meetup here on, on the, uh, you know, day before the main event. Mm. Um, is there a good kind of community aspect to the Australian developer scene back yeah, home? There is like every, every time you come here, that it seems like there's more and more Aussies or at least the Aussie meetup gets bigger and bigger. I don't know if <laughs> yep. people from other countries are coming along, but you know, <laughs> that's all part of the fun. I, mean, I guess the big thing with Australia is we are so spread out and we don't have a large population. So an event like this, is probably the, really the only event where everyone sort of comes together. So while there is a big community and there's sort of local meetups, like being from Adelaide, there isn't a, like the, the Sydney and Melbourne scenes are a lot bigger than Adelaide. So there's a few of us from Adelaide here. It's just a really good chance to catch up with people that you know from other years or from other events. But this is the time when everyone can get together and you can just, yeah. you know, catch up and have a few drinks or um, go out for a meal or just talk dev stuff. It was like you and Shifty Jelly. Is that pretty much the South Australian? Uh... Uh, no, there's a, there's a few others. Too. I mean, the Sweat with Kayla, that's, yeah, that's, yeah. that's oh, an Adelaide yeah. one. They're pretty yeah. big. Um, I'm trying to think. But yeah, other than that, there's not a lot. The thing is, there's not a, not a lot of indie d- developers because it's, it's a hard thing to make a living at, really. Yeah. Um, because people don't really want to pay for apps. Like everyone I go to, yeah. go to they say, oh, what do you do? I build apps. And it's like, oh, I don't really buy apps. Like, yeah, I get it. I mean, I would yeah. like you to, but um, yeah. So, so you're, you're battling against that and you're often battling against, um, you know, big companies that have got a lot of funding or selling their app isn't their core priority. That's just a marketing tool for them. So sometimes you're, you're up against that. So I think that like when you talk about games, like games is kind of a different business model and is, yeah. you, you're building it in a different way. And but as an app developer, you're, um, yeah, you you have to approach it differently, and it can be hard at times. Um, and there's different business models that you can obviously sell your app app in, but yeah, to varying degrees of success, I guess. Yeah. And so, how have you sort of have you played with the various kinds of uh, you know uh, monetization models to uh, for different apps? And yeah, yeah, how have you found sort of things work? Yeah. Ultimately, I like to price it as to how I would be willing to pay for it. Yeah. Not, there's a lot of examples where developers will try and squeeze as much money as they can out of it. And I, I'm sure that we've lost opportunities for revenue, but at the same time, I, I don't think certain business models, like such as a subscription, necessarily work for something like Streaks. Um, I get the subscription model where 
you're providing ongoing content like a video streaming platform, that kind of thing. Yeah. Or even certain workout apps will give you new workouts or however they do it. Like there's an ongoing cost in maintenance. Now our ongoing costs are different. Yeah. But the user isn't necessarily seeing that other than like periodic updates to the app. So for these apps, like the upfront payment, I think works well. It it um it's funny with an app like Streaks as well because it allows people to put a value on what they're buying. Yeah. Because if you get a free app, you don't really assign any value to it. Whereas if you've paid for it, you want to get you're you're more willing. It works really well for habit forming because that's sort of, in a way, taking an active step. You say you're investing in it monetarily before you invest in it, I guess, emotionally. Yeah. Um, and that that that's another aspect of the app that helps it uh, helps it yeah. succeed. I mean, it's like literally a big part of why people, yeah, you. Know, join a, a fitness center is part yeah. of that commitment to the yeah. idea that they're like, all right, I'm paying this much money every month. I really should be going. Yeah. <laughs> Even if in the end they don't go as often as they feel like they should. Well, I mean, uh, I think that's, you've got that's to start. the business model of gyms, isn't it? <laughs> yes, exactly. If they, if everyone went that actually bought the app, you would, no one would fit. But yeah. um, I was sorry, not bought the app, bought the gym membership. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, but I mean, yeah. we, we obviously want everyone to use the app as much as we can because yeah. if they have success, they tell their friends about yeah. it and more people download it and we improve the app. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. I sometimes even think about that fact where, uh, right, like there's so many things in society where app, like I think there's so much incredible value in apps and yet people are so reluctant to, to put money towards them in a way that, yeah, that they would then like so casually spend that same $5 yeah. without even thinking twice about it yeah. in another context. I think... The problem is with something like an app, um, like they say, they compare, ah, oh, just it's a cup of coffee. But with a cup of coffee, yes, there's you get better ones and you get worse ones, but you're still getting a cup of coffee. I think people have been burned enough by bad apps yeah. that they don't know that they're going to get their equivalent cup of coffee. So that's yeah. what it is. But it, it's true. Like, you know, Apple sell, I don't know what the prices are in the US, but in Australia, like the, the newest iPhone might be, you know, $1,500, $1,800, whatever it is. And people say, wow, that's a lot because they used to be like $700, which <laughs> yeah. is still a lot. But they're not looking at the value they're getting out of it. Like you're putting a relative price in it rather than the value you're getting out of it. And so yeah. I say that with streaks as well. Like people say, oh, I don't want to spend $5 or $7 on an app. And I try and say, well, look at the value you're going to get out of it. If, if, if it does for you what it does for a lot of other people, yeah. then, you know, if you can quit smoking, you're going to save far more than that on like one app, app purchase. So. Yeah. yeah. And so has streaks, you know, is is the success of sort of that on its own enough that it's like, well, yeah, you you you're focused on on that and keeping on sort of iterating and improving that or you know, are there other sort of apps you've got out there or apps that you're working on uh, that you know are sort of the next thing? Yeah, I mean, so we, we the the main app is streaks. Um we've got an offshoot called Streaks Workout, which is again just an upfront payment, but it's um it's on Apple TV and iPad and Apple Watch and just on a major update to that. And that's just a really fun way to do a quick workout in your lounge room with no equipment. Um, that's proven surprisingly really popular. Um, it's kind of similar to the seven-minute workout style apps, but it's got our own twist on it. And personally, I think it's a lot better than those types of apps because it's there's just sort of a, a randomness and a differentiation to it that I think is, is quite fun. Yeah, cool. um, Another app is uh, it's a Apple Watch-specific app called outcast and it's podcast streaming well it will be streaming with the new streaming features yeah um yeah so pretty stoked to get a mention for both outcast and streaks in the keynote yesterday which (laughs) is pretty wild because you know not a lot of apps get mentioned but we got two in (laughs) within about 30 seconds of each other um yeah so that was really born out of 
there weren't any apps specific to the Apple Watch for podcasting. There are other apps that will play on the Apple Watch, but um, in the previous Apple Watch versions, the audio handling and file downloading was really tricky, but we came up with some really sort of unique ways to tackle that. And so that's proven quite popular. And then there's obviously new streaming features coming out um, this year. So as we speak, I'm trying to install it onto my watch so I can actually test the new streaming features that I've built for it. But um, yeah, so we've got our, I guess, hand in a few different pies, but I guess central to that is a lot of Apple Watch development and iPhone and just good experiences and solving problems that we have ourselves. As to yeah. go back to your first question. And how do you feel, um, it, like... I really got the impression at the keynote that for watchOS, sort of some of these new steps, as you say, the streaming audio API, and then also just starting to kind of yeah, standalone, out, like independent. Yeah, yeah. That it feels like we're potentially heading down that road of of being able to have somebody say, I, I, I maybe I don't care about iPhone, but the watch is a really powerful thing for what I want in my yeah. life. Yeah. How does that feel for you as a dev? I mean, I think early on, like the original Apple Watch. I don't think Apple really knew where it was going to go and how could you because there wasn't a market they were making. Yeah. I mean, they weren't making the brand new market of the smartwatch, but they were the biggest company attacking it in a big way. And I think the vision evolved over the next two years to really say, okay, this is a health, like a wellness device. And, um, and I think as they've really honed in on that, that's when um, they've just grown out the features and these things become a bit more obvious. Like, you know, if... If you don't need your um, your phone with you, like obviously there was um, the cellular version came out two years ago. If you can just take your watch around without your phone, like it just opens up a new world of possibility. Like I ride my bike a couple of times a week and I don't take my phone with me. I just have my watch, got my AirPods in. So I, and I can still get phone calls and send messages when I'm out. Um, yeah. So yeah, it is, I think it's a natural progression with how all this stuff goes really. Yeah. And I, I remember, yeah, I think when I first uh, got the cellular version, like there were just, you know, there were certain aspects to it that still felt like it was a little bit early, whereas it now really seems like, you know, these upgrades to the OS just keeps opening that door for, you know, people like yourself now to, that any given user, mm. you know, we, we all have those one or two apps that are like, yeah. that's the app that matters to me. Yep. And to now be able to go, oh, yeah, that is going to work properly on the watch it's, is well, going to be a really been, cool thing. It's always been a really interesting balance sort of seeing the watchOS evolve because it's the limitations of the app. Are, well, there's, there's two really. One is there's a tiny little screen on your wrist and it's, it can do amazing things, but ultimately it can be difficult to eat, like input um, text or... You know, there's certain just physical limitations from the size of it. The other thing yeah. is also because it's small, like the battery is small, which means it doesn't have as much power as your phone. It can't last for as long. So there's a, the device is heavily managed by the system. So apps can't get out of line. The system will kill your app if you do bad things. <laughs> yeah. um, but because of that, it's always been a trade-off of we've got all these great features. We want to add all these things. But because maybe the technology is not quite there in terms of, you know, we can't run for a week at a time. It's a daily charge or every couple of days we have to evolve to the where the, the hardware and the, we'll, we'll catch up with where the software wants to go i guess um or the other way around whichever way you want to look at it yeah but it's i mean it's it's come a long way in four years or five years or whatever it's been yeah and so what uh what else here at wdc has kind of excited you so far in terms of you know what was announced and then what are the kinds of sessions you get the most out of at the rest of the show? I mean, it was pretty exciting seeing the prices of the Mac Pro and 
the new monitor, but <laughs> pretty, I don't know what it's going to be in Australian dollars, but yeah. It's, it's nice to see sometimes go, wow. Yeah, I mean, that was that exciting is to see it and exciting <laughs> to see them run off the stage after they announced the price, but um, and a bit of buzz about it afterwards. But yeah, I guess for me, it's just seeing the new APIs they announce, um, you know, what new features can, can we add to our iPhone apps and Apple Watch and getting a chance to, I guess, butt heads with the Apple developers or the Apple engineers and say, why doesn't this work or how do I do this? And the, so that, that's a key part of it. You don't really get any other time of the year where you can actually get a one-on-one with the people who are actually building the product. And it's usually pretty informative to both parties because, yeah, at, at certain times they don't really hear from developers and there's a bit of a closed loop um, where they roughly know, but then when they actually hear specific real-world examples, it's like, okay, that makes sense. We'll, you know, we can change that. And and this is the time to affect change. Obviously, the watchOS 6 and iOS 13 will come out in September, but there's a bit of wiggle room for now. Things yeah. will evolve and change for at least the next few months um, as they see how developers are using it and if it's fallen short or not quite working as developers need it. Um, so that's, I guess, the, the most valuable part of it. it. I mean, it really is like probably like any conference, it's relationship building. 
I was only looking at houses that had fiber of the premise. Yeah. And I was in Sydney and it was terrible. So <laughs> it was a big thing. Yeah. I, was like, I live in the country in New South Wales and it's, you know, our little town has MBN. And it's one of those things where I sometimes wonder, you know, I'm like, it'd be great to see some kind of a creative business, you know, digital business kind of set up in, in our town on that exact basis where you well we you can come out of the city but still feel totally connected um and i imagine that would be a, a pretty attractive prospect to a lot of people who want the good internet but also yeah don't want to have to just be stuck in some flat somewhere in the middle of sydney where you can't afford to buy anything anymore <laughs> yeah i mean that that that's kind of why i moved down it's yeah. like oh wait i can have an amazing job working on procreate and be close to the mountain and be able to buy a house like yeah, it was a pretty daunting prospect in Sydney trying to buy something, and Tasmania the lifestyle is a lot. Better. I found it to be a lot better. Yeah, and so what do you feel like has been part of what's made sort of Procreate really stand out? I guess both for Apple to kind of highlight it, um, and as just as a tool that you know when you're going up against some of the biggest companies in the world who make art tools, uh, it's it's a really impressive sort of thing to have been able to really start to kind of stand out and separate yourselves. Um, so what do you feel like has been the strength of what Procreate is doing? One of the, the founding principles of Procreate is performance. And it's a word that gets like thrown around a lot, but there's a lot of stuff we haven't done because it makes stuff slower. So it's kind of Procreate is like painting with no sacrifice on like performance and speed. And that kind of like gives it gives this, this really nice, like smooth, fluid feel that other things don't have. And we might not have necessarily have every last feature, but the core experience is, is generally better. Uh, what for you is important about coming to an event like WWDC? I always say, that's, <laughs> no wonder everybody just calls it Dub Dub. Because, you keep tripping. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a WWDC. <laughs> uh, yeah, what's the kind of the, the, the importance of coming to this event and you know, what do you get out of it? Is it networking? Is it the getting to kind of go and, and see kind of the nitty-gritty of the latest things? What is it? I mean, it's awesome just to be amongst it and, and see other people because, I mean, live in Tasmania, so there's, there's not <laughs> too much of that down there. But um, it, there's not many opportunities you, you might get to, like, be in a room with Apple engineers and actually talk to them one-to-one. We've had – we've told them about things before that, like, this would be handy, and they're like, oh, that's, that's not a big deal. We can just turn that on for you. So various, <laughs> yeah, cool. like, big – um, improvements or, or features that they just needed to know that people cared. Yeah, um, have been like big things for us. Yeah, yeah. It's also um, really inspiring to be around so many excited faces who just look at these things coming in the keynote and go, "Wow, what can I do with this?" And yeah, I find it like a really nice way to check in. And I think if I didn't come to a place like this, I might be um, getting stale. So yeah. Yeah. It's just really invigorating. I, I kind of often, you know, I guess in the public consciousness, the big hardware announcements always get the big attention, particularly, you know, the iPhone launches at different times a year. But, um, yeah, I often kind of try to come back to the idea that, that this is the event that kind of matters in the sense that this is, you know, the, the new version of an OS is fundamentally what's going to give that new device all its coolest features. Um, there's only so much that the piece of hardware can, well, literally it doesn't do anything without the software. Um, so, yeah, I, 
you know, I, I really kind of feel like this is the most essential part of the story each year um, comes out of this show. And it, it seems like, particularly, I guess, in your context, having iPad OS start to separate out, like, and it getting all sorts of new features that are going to be thrown at it for, for it seems like lots of kind of, you know, touching and dragging and sliding and all these kind of pencil focus things that, um, does some of that sort of jump out at you as something that's going to help to kind of add new things to what you do? Yeah, this is huge. And, and you're right on the money. Like, the, especially the iPad Pro last year, like that thing is an absolute monster. Yeah. Like I, I couldn't even believe how fast that thing was. And it's, there's definitely no, like we're not waiting on hardware. Like, and, <laughs> yeah. and this is a huge step forward for, for the operating system, especially uh, like multitasking. Uh, we've now got custom font management. Uh, and there's a bunch of gestural cut, copy, paste. It's yeah, it's huge. And this this like dictates the next six months for us. Yeah, yeah, wow. Like, all right, this is what we've got to work with. Let's you know, we want to be a great example on the iPad. We need to adopt stuff, and you know, this takes time. So this is this is what we work towards. Yeah, cool. Um, I think the um, yeah, like I actually have spent the last few months playing with uh, an iPad Pro. Um, just on loan from Apple and then I've sent it back and then I've actually gone back to Mac Mini was one of my, sorry, iPad Mini was like my favorite kind of little device for so long in the the older version. Um, Perhaps having gone back to it now, having had all of the beauty of the iPad Pro, I'm now like, okay, I officially missed the iPad Pro and now feel like I'm going to have to go out and get one. Um, But was Procreate around before Pencil sort of first came along as well? And I mean, how how many years has actually Procreate been available? I couldn't tell you in exact years. It's approximately seven or eight. Right. And it was available like four days before the launch of the iPad 2. So it's been yeah, wow. like way beyond Pencil, way before. Yeah. 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 Like painting with your finger on a yeah on an, on an iPad 1. <laughs> and so, yeah, so I guess it's really... Um, clearly, yeah, it's it's followed that that journey incredibly well. Then, and and I guess, like you say, if if the next sort of six months is all about now looking at what are the new features enable, um, that yeah, that that sort of the procreates kind of journey is so much tied to all of the kind of new features and making sure that I guess you've you've done everything you can to to bring it to life. Um. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, mean, I mean, yeah, it's 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 not the entirety of it, but it's yeah. like it's like fifty fifty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like fifty what we you know, what, what we believe can move move the product forward from an art perspective and fifty fifty being good citizens and taking care of like of everything we can from uh iPad OS now. Yep. Yeah. And so how have you tried to make sure you um I guess support that community of users out there as well because uh, I guess, you know, there's, it's one thing being a part of the dev community that sort of comes here and talks, but then I guess you you want to make sure you're listening to your own community and trying to kind of deliver them the sorts of features they want. And is that its own balancing act, both creating the features they're asking for, but also making sure you're kind of hunting out your own cool new ideas that can surprise the user base? Yeah, um, we're pretty engaged with our users. Um Georgie does social media. She's across the board with everything. But um, also even the engineers go on Twitter and Instagram and check out what people want and what they're building so that we know um, 
you know, what might work for them in the future. And we keep a really tight, um, close eye on the new development with the iPad and everything and who might start adopting the iPad and try and keep our development in terms of what they might be expecting. So Yeah. And we also, uh, like, they let us know what we don't have and what we're missing, like, really loudly, really quickly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and we, we're not always the fastest on, on getting around. We do get around to the features they want. Like, text took quite a few years for us to bring it, and there's various other things. But um, internally, there's also, like, a, trying to give them what, what they don't expect as well. Yeah. It's like people on the internet telling you what they <laughs> aren't happy about. That's amazing. Surprise. I saw them that. They're, they're amazingly like polite and good to yeah. us. So That's like, lovely, yeah. yeah, yeah, they're very good. Very nice. <laughs> yeah, you know, you've you've had to earn that place, I guess. Too, yeah, where people are going, I, they love it enough that they're nice to you when they. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're frustrated they don't have it, but they're still good to us. <laughs> um. So these days, when with that sort of community response, do you like do you run a forum or anything, or is it really just using social media now as as that sort of way of just engaging in a more open sense? I mean, we we do run forums, and we've always run forums. Like some of them date back, the threads date back like eight years, like or seven or eight years to the start. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but Instagram's also that's a huge thing for yeah, us cool. these days. Yeah, uh, with the amazing job that Georgie does. Yeah. Um, is that like, would that include things like, you know, just sharing cool stuff people have been doing? And Oh, yeah, heaps. Yeah. Like it's looking at the, the community, republishing what they're doing and sharing that and as well as uh, around releases as a, a big kind of drive with that. Yeah. I have a recollection of actually seeing some really cool um, – like time-lapse videos of people making like photorealistic art with Procreate. Is that, that's a kind of, I, I just have this, uh, like a Morgan Freeman picture or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Is that a, okay, that was a Procreate thing? Yeah, it was. <laughs> Very early Procreate as well, which makes it even more remarkable. Um, yeah. yeah. That was pre-pencil. Yeah, wow. <laughs> that and is, that was. That's kind of insane when you think. <laughs> yeah. That, that was a big a big drama at points and it was actually the time lapse that actually convinced people that it wasn't like a people were saying it was a fictional thing and it wasn't yeah, real yeah. but it was the the time lapse that actually kind of convinced people oh wait this is it's been drawn on an ipad with a a, a finger with and a yeah. finger yeah and a very impressive artist <laughs> um that uh that kind of capturing tool i think i'm trying to remember is is that something that is built into procreate that sort of ability to sort of like view the way an artwork was created uh, um, because it kind of reminds me that like really in the one of the really early things that Apple did with the iPhone from a journalist perspective was that they made it easy to take screenshots and that meant that it was easy to write articles about you know here's a cool thing that's on this platform here's a thing you can do with it um, in a way that actually sort of Android in that early era, you just all you could do was describe it or take a photo yeah. of a screen. Um, it seems like that's sort of a tool of actually having something that lets people share the way they made something in your product is kind of a nice, yeah, kind of a, a you yeah, know, both a, I guess, an inspiration tool, but also a, a kind of a clever marketing thing that people, you know, even if it's unintended as that, like, let's let people record the way they made something. But that that turns out to be a really good way for people to show off the product for you as well, right? 
yeah, that's inbuilt. Um, I wasn't there when it was decided why to put it in there, but <laughs> yeah. I think it's pretty cool because, yeah, you see the process behind how you get the final product and, you know, some of those pieces go on a real journey. They start out just as not much, so yeah. it's really fascinating. Yeah. It's also on by default. Like I only found out about it like two years like after I went back and found all my arts and I'm like, holy crap, this is amazing. <laughs> I get to see these little and, – and, yeah, they're wonderful for sharing because, I yeah. mean, static, static images are good and all, but there's – this adds a bit of life and adds a bit of a story. Yeah. And so, so yeah, overall, I think what uh, – when you sort of come here and then when you're going home, what are the main things that you're trying to take away um, from actually coming to Dub Dub? Yeah, um, obviously all the new features are first and foremost, the most important thing. Um, but – I personally spend a lot of time just going around the sessions and labs and just trying to have conversations and get ideas and go home really inspired and ready to build new features that are going to be pretty cool and powerful. So, yeah. Yeah, awesome. I wasn't coming here. I, I wasn't – this is my first time and I wasn't wasn't quite sure what I was going to get. But already after one day, I've got this fierce kind of like, I've got to do better. Mm. Like you see all this amazing stuff on the screen and it's like got this drive and this itch and it's like, Nothing's good enough. Yeah. Got to kind of, yeah, bit of a fire. Yeah. Look, I'm fine having coming now. I'm like, okay, I really need to go home and play with Swift Playgrounds because I, I want to make something. Yeah, and it's so easy <laughs> I feel now. like it's, it's like it's an infection through the Wi-Fi, I think, that makes you want to go and make something <laughs> from here. Yeah, it is. Bit of a fever. Yeah. <laughs> Jetpacks are overrated is produced by me, Seamus Burn as part of the Biteside Podcast Network. You can find this show and other shows uh, through my website, biteside.com. You, of course, can also find them in all your favorite podcast apps and Spotify and any of those other places that you might want to load up uh, your RSS feed of podcast apps. Uh, if you're enjoying this show, if you want to send me some feedback, you can find me on Twitter. I am at Seamus. I am always there. So come find me and tell me what you think. Uh, and of course, you can leave reviews and just share the link with friends and loved ones if they want to learn more about all this kind of cool app creation stuff or lots of other things. There's going to be a lot more shows coming really soon as I evolve uh, what Jetpacks is. So please stay tuned and I will catch you next time. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.